open our Bibles then uh, to John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 1 to verse 21. And uh, we're looking at uh, Christ, our shepherd. And uh, before we do, uh, as you know, I, I like Lord of the Rings. I'm a big fan of Lord of the Rings. I just finished Lord of the Rings the other day. And uh, Victoria said one of the sweetest things I ever heard her say uh, last night. She said, would you like to watch the Lord of the Rings again? I'm like, oh, what a, what a wife. You know, this is just uh, unbelievable. And part of me was like, what does she want? You know, what is, what's she asking for? But anyway, you know, uh, I went in there. So, uh, so the scar- this is towards the end of the Lord of the Rings, the, the third book. And we have the chapter called The Scouring of the Shire. And uh, it's right at the end, after the ring has been destroyed, the king has been crowned, the four hobbits are on their way home again, and everything seems well and good and happy. And they've been away for a year, and now they're coming back to the shire. And this is what they're expecting, the shire to be as beautiful as it always is, and uh, full of loveliness. Uh, It's a place of peace, a place of beauty and bounty. Uh, but what we know as we, as we continue reading is Saruman has come into the Shire. It's called Sharky in the, in the, at this point. And he's turned the Shire into a place of dearth and poverty. Uh, and it's full of thieves and robbers and brigands at this point. The trees have been cut down. The harvests have been stored away, not for the people to use. Uh, ugly buildings have been put up in, in uh, place of the beautiful buildings there were. And the rest of the hobbits are now living under cruel tyranny essentially so the four hobbits they come home to this they've just been through a year of adventure they've been like stabbing orcs left right and center they're full of courage and and bravery and and uh, they come back and uh, they're not having it and they what they do is they rally the people against the the tyrants there and uh fruit is a bit like i don't really know if we should fight and the rest of them are like, if we don't fight, we're going to live under this tyranny forever. We have to do something. And so the four hobbits, they, they rally the, the hobbits together, and they go to war, and they get rid of the, 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 the tyrants in the end. And now, really, this is what we're going to be looking at in John chapter 10, as Jesus speaks to these people. And we're going to look at the Lord, my shepherd. And uh, Jesus, as God, has come down into Jerusalem. He set up, in the Old Testament, Jesus has set up, uh, as God, a, a uh, leadership for his, his people, the priesthood with the Levites. And uh, he's come now, as God, to Jerusalem in the flesh, the capital of his nation. And he sees, instead of a righteous leadership, just leadership, good leadership amongst the people, he is beginning to see the corruption of self-appointed religious leaders. He has witnessed their pride. He's seen their unbelief in himself, in God, and in Moses. He sees their cold hearts that are vacant of mercy and full of corruption. They've just, here in John chapter 10, just the verse above it, they've just kicked a man out of the community. Okay, not just out of the church, which is like in the 21st century, it's like, okay, we'll find another church then. By kicking a man out of the synagogue, they've kicked him out of the community. He no longer belongs, he's an exile at this point because the religious leaders say so. And what has he deserved? What has he done? What has he done to deserve being kicked out of the community? He was blind all his life. He's been healed. And he's like, surely the one who healed me is from God. That's all I have to say. And because of that, he's now excommunicated, sent out into exile for this. And so John 10, although we like to go, as John was saying, we like to go to Psalm 23 about this, and and it's beautiful and we should. But what John 10 is, especially verse 1 to 21, is Jesus' angry rebuke towards this leadership. 
Jesus is angry at this point. This isn't the new section. If you go to chapter 9, at the end of chapter 9, Jesus says, if you were blind, you'd have no sin, but now you see, uh, now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. And it doesn't say, and then a few days later, this is the same conversation. So when we get to chapter 10, verse 1, verily, verily, most assuredly, truly, truly, this is the same conversation Jesus is having. So everything he's about to say now is in light of what's just happened. He's healed a man. He's healed a man from blindness. No one has ever done that before. And the, the religious leaders are like, this guy's not from God. And then he kicks out a, they kick out a man who is saying, surely he's from God. So up until this point, Jesus has told us a few I ams. In John chapter 6, he told us he's the bread of life. In John chapter 8 and 9, he told us he's the light of the world. And then here in this chapter, he's going to tell us that he's the door for the sheep and he is the shepherd. Uh, As we go on, we're going to see three more I ams in John. But this is the ones for tonight. I am the door and I am the shepherd. So we get, first of all, we have the story in verse 1 to verse 6. Jesus essentially gives them a parable. It's not called a parable in this passage. It's called an illustration. Uh, but essentially, he gives them a parable. There's a, a sheepfold. And uh, a sheepfold back then is, is a, a courtyard, essentially, in a town. So you have two types of sheepfolds in the Old Testament. You have the one out in the pasture, which the, the, the shepherd builds a wall and keeps the sheep safe. But also in the city or in the towns, you had a sheepfold that everyone, at nighttime, they sent their sheep there. And they had a doorkeeper. So he says, I, I say to you, he does, who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, the same as a thief and a robber. So we have the sheepfold. We have this door into the sheepfold. And we have a robber climbing over to to take the sheep. He says in verse 2, he who enters by the door is the shepherd. So now we have a shepherd and we have a doorkeeper in verse 3 to him. The doorkeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And the idea here is that there was this community uh, shepherd, this community courtyard and there was a man who was hired to sort of guard the sheep overnight. And the shepherd, when he was, got up in the morning, he went to this courtyard. He, they would recognize the shepherd. He's like, all right, mate. And he's like, all right, mate. And he would let him in. And he would just call his own sheep. There were all the different sheep were in there. And they're like, all right, Bob, Charlie, Jack, come on. And they would all hear him. And they would all come out. And they would all follow him. And he'd lead them to pasture. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, but if you don't go, that's what the legitimate shepherd does. He comes through, he calls the sheep, and they come. But robbers, they climb over and they steal. And the robbers are trying to call the sheep. Come on, come on, mate. And the sheep are like, we don't know you. So they don't follow. And that, that happens today. I, I love uh, well, I love farm animals, and we live around it all the time. And uh, every time we're in a field, like through public bridal winners or sheep, I'm like, come on, mate. Come on, mate. And he's like, I don't even know who you are. And he, he doesn't have nothing to do with me. But if the shepherd was in that sheep, he would be right over to him because he, he knows the shepherd. And so this is the story that Jesus is telling. There's a, there's a sheepfold. There's a shepherd. There's a legitimate entrance into the sheepfold. And the, she- the shepherd comes, calls the sheep, and, uh, and out they come. But if you, if you look at what happens here, Jesus is given this story. And then it says in verse 6, Jesus used this illustration. It might say parable if you've got the King James, but it's not the same word. It's an illustration, same idea, basically. But look what it says. But they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Isn't that, isn't that what we've been seeing throughout the whole of John's gospel? Jesus teaches, they don't understand. Jesus says something, they have not a clue what he means. And that's the same stuff, whether he's being really obvious 
or whether he's being a little bit subtle. They just don't have a clue what Jesus is saying. And so here we have another example of that. Jesus is teaching. Uh, there's a shepherd. There's sheep. There's robbers. There's a sheepfold. They don't have a clue what he's saying. So then we get to verse 7. And verse 7 isn't like another story. It's not like another thing. It's the explanation of the story he's just told. So verse 1 to, verse one to 5 is the story Verse 6, they don't understand the story. So verse 7 to 18 is Jesus then explaining this story to them, the parable that he was given to them. This is what I meant by that. Now again, keep in mind at the end of John 9, Jesus called these religious leaders of the nation of Israel blind. He said, you're blind and you're guilty. He isn't changing the subject here. What Jesus is doing in this passage is he's exposing them to who they truly are. And this is not going to be something they enjoy. Outwardly, these men may seem to be righteous. They seem to be religious. They seem to be powerful. But inwardly, it's all different. And Jesus is going to expose that to them. So the the first thing we see is Jesus talking about being the door. He says it twice. He says, I am the door. And in verse 7 and in verse 9, he says it again. And that breaks up the little sections for us. He says, I am the door teaching one i am the door teaching two so he's got two little teachings about what it means that he is the door so the first one verse seven to verse eight i am the door and what jesus is saying in verse seven or sorry verse uh yeah verse seven here when he says i am the door of the sheep what jesus is saying is he is the legitimate entrance to the people of god he is the legitimate entrance for, for anyone who's going to be a leader of God's people, Jesus is the legitimate entrance to that. But he says in verse 8, All who ever came before me, they are thieves and robbers, and the sheep did not hear them. Well, who's he talking about when he says this? Those who came before me are thieves and robbers. He's not talking about the prophets, because he, he loves the prophets. He inspired the prophets to write. He's talking about all those who weren't calling the people to God Basically, what Jesus is saying at this moment is this. You're thieves and robbers. He's looking at the religious leaders. He's speaking to the Pharisees. And he says, you're, you're, you're the ones I'm talking about here. And they've got a little bit of a crowd building up here. He's just healed a man. He's talking to this man. There's a bit of a crowd building. He's saying, these guys here, they are thieves and robbers. They are not the legitimate leaders of God's people. Not only are you blind, but you're thieves. And Jesus is basically saying this. You religious leaders who claim authority over the people of God. Your authority is not God-given. You have taken it upon yourselves and you are thieves and robbers. And to quote a prophecy, you reign as kings, but not by my authority. You rule, but not by my spirit. Who are you to dictate your man-made laws and traditions on these people? These these are not my laws that you're giving these people. Who are you to dictate your man-made laws and traditions on these people? Who are you to burden them with your demands and your extra biblical commandments? Who are you to flaunt your pride and your arrogance around the people of God? Because remember, everyone was like, oh, these fires, they're so righteous. We can't even be near them. It's like, who are you to do this sort of thing? Who on earth are you to cast a man out of the community of God's people? Know this, the true people of God do not listen to you and will not follow you. And then know this, a legitimate teacher and leader of my people will only come through me because I am the door to the sheep. And I, as God in the flesh, tell you religious leaders, 
you're not the shepherds of my flock. That's what Jesus is saying here. You're not the shepherd, shepherds of my people. So we get then to the next little section where Jesus says again, I am the door. And now this time it's an invitation. The first one's a bit of a rebuke. You know, you guys, you're, you're, not, my, you're not the shepherds. And the second one is, I am the door. And if you'll come, I am the way for eternal life. I'm not just the proper entrance for the shepherds. I am also the entrance for the sheep. I am the door to eternal life. And if you enter by me, you'll be saved. And you'll be able to go in and out. You'll have freedom. You'll find pasture. Because I'm the bread of life. And I offer the water of life. Jesus essentially said in verse 9, I am the gateway to true life. So earlier, I am the legitimate entrance to the people of God. And here he's saying, I am the gateway to life. And then we get to verse 10. But you, the thief, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus, this, this verse is often tied to Satan, the, the destroyer, the one who comes and steals. And to a degree, uh, yeah, I mean, he, that's what he is. But, he, but Jesus is rebuking these leaders. And he's saying to them, I, as the door, I'm telling you, you're thieves. You came to my people and you've been killing them and destroying them and stealing from them. But I have not come to do that. I've come to give my life. I've come to give them life. I came not to be served, but to serve. What Jesus is saying here by, by talking to them like this is he's saying, you're a lot like the kind of people the prophet Jeremiah described in chapter 23. And in Jeremiah 23, woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. You have scattered my flock. You've driven them away and you've not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings. And Jesus is essentially saying, those wicked, illegitimate shepherds who scattered and drove away the sheep of God, just as you have now driven away a legitimate follower of me. This little man here, this blind man, he, he believes Jesus. And they've cast him away. And he says, look what you've done. You're just like Jeremiah 23, casting away the people of God. But there's more to it than this. There's Ezekiel chapter 34. You're the kind of people Ezekiel described in his, chap- in his book. You've been getting fat off of my people. You've been clothing yourself in their wool. But the weak ones and the poor ones, you've completely neglected. Woe to the shepherds of Israel. You feed yourselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor did you seek what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. Isn't that what the the religious leaders are doing here? Remember this blind man's parents were too afraid to even say, like, maybe maybe it was God who healed them, because they they were afraid of being cast out. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the beasts of the field. My sheep wandered through the mountains and on every hill, and no one was seeking them or searching for them. Jesus is essentially saying, this is who you are, and I reject you as the shepherd of my people. They have had no true shepherd in you lots, but I have come now, and I have come to give them full life, abundant life to the full. This is what Jesus is saying here by saying that he's the door. But he comes now to verse 11, 
And uh, he talks about how he's the shepherd in verse 11 to verse 18. And again, just like I am the door, he has two things to say. He said in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. And in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. So he's saying he's got two things to tell us here about what it means that he is the good shepherd. So the first one, I am the good shepherd, verse 11 to verse 13. And he talks about being the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. And what he's saying is that he's a lot like King David. And uh, King David was the one in 1 Samuel 17, verse 34 to 35. And it says here, your servant, this is him speaking to Saul. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I didn't run away. I went out after that thing. And I struck it. And I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I caught it by its beard. And I struck it and killed it. David didn't go out just hunting lions and bears for the fun of it. He did it to, to look after the lambs. And David risked his life. I don't know about you, but that's kind of risking your life going after a bear. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be going after a bear just for the fun of it. Or a lion just, just, just for the past the time, you know. But this is a man risking his life to, to protect the, the flock. And Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd and I give my life for the sheep. And what we see in the, the book of the prophets is when, G, when God denounces these false religious leaders and these shepherds who have not shepherded well, is God decides to step in. And in Ezekiel 34, look what it says. Thus says the Lord God, I myself. Ezekiel 34, this is the first half. You have not shepherded my people. You have not looked for them. You do not care about them. But he says, for thus saith the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out, and I will deliver them from all the places where they were scattered. I will feed them in good pasture. They shall lie down in a good fold, and they'll feed in rich pasture. I will seek what was lost, and I will bring back what was driven away. I'll bind up the broken, and I'll strengthen what was sick. Jesus is saying, I reject you as the shepherds. There's going to be a new shepherd, and it's going to be himself. He is God, is going to be the shepherd of the people. And the same in Isaiah chapter 40. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand. His arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him. His work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. And gently lead those who are with young and Jesus is watching these religious leaders who are hurting the people, who are corrupting the people, who are overburdening the people, who couldn't care less about them. And he says, you're rejected. I am the door. I am the legitimate entrance for the leaders. And not just the door. I am the shepherd. I will be the one who shepherds these people. Jesus, as the door, decides who the leaders of the flock will be. And so who will the leader of the flock be? He says, he will be the good shepherd. He will be the leader of the people. I, God, will shepherd the people of God, which is exactly what the prophets promised. But he says in verse 12 to verse 13, that you've not been like that. You have been the hirelings. You're not the shepherd. One who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. So not only are you thieves and robbers, 
But you're also hirelings. You don't care about these people. You don't care about the sheep. You don't care about the lambs, the broken ones, and the sick ones, and the cast-off ones, and the ones who are limping. You couldn't care less about them. You're just doing this for the money, and the reputation, and the power that it brings you. And if any danger comes, you're the first to run and leave them. The old trick is... Uh, If you're running away from something, just make sure you're faster than the person beside them. And that's the mindset of these guys. As long as I can be faster than them, I'll get away. And Jesus is just telling these people, you could not care less about these sheep. But I love them. And I love them so much that I'm going to lay down my life for them. And so we get back to verse 14 and verse 18, where he's just said in verse 13, you don't care about the sheep, but I am the good shepherd, and I know them, and I am known by my own. We're going to get a little bit more about this whole idea of the courtyard in the next sermon, and my sheep hear my voice and things like that, because it comes out a lot more in the next one. But Jesus is saying here, I know those of Israel who genuinely love the Father, who genuinely believe Moses, and genuinely believe the prophets, and genuinely believe that I'm the promised Messiah. I know them, and they will know me. In verse 15, he says, the Father knows me, And I know the Father. I am the shepherd God promised to send. I am God that promised to come and shepherd the people. And again, I lay down my life for the sheep. And then we get to verse 16, this this lovely verse that involves um, me and involves you. And because of verse 16, we know Jesus. He says in verse 16, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock, and there will be one shepherd. There's other sheep, Jesus says. And it isn't just those in the courtyard. There are lost, wandering sheep out there in the mountains and by the oceans of this world. And I'm going to get them. I'm going to bring them to myself. And in bringing them to myself, I'm going to bring them into the fold of the people of God. Those Jews who believe in me are going to come out and become my flock. And those Gentiles, those nations who believe in me, are going to come out and become my flock. I'm going to bring them together as one flock of people. I'm bringing the Samaritans and I'm bringing the Gentiles. And you're going to see it in your day. And they'll all be one flock under me. And Jesus is essentially saying here once again, your Jewishness doesn't save you. Your religious leaders are not going to be part of this flock unless you come in through me. And you're going to watch from the side as the Gentiles and the Samaritans come and believe in the Messiah of your people. You're going to watch it from the side. You're not going to get in on it. You're going to watch it as people from all the nations come running in crying, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Christ. Jesus is Messiah. And the only way in is through Jesus. He says in verse 17 to 18, the father loves him because he dies for the sheep and takes up his life again. Jesus is going to rise from the dead, he said in verse uh, verse 17. Like in John 2, I'm going to destroy this temple in three days. I'm going to build it up again. Here he's saying, I'm going to die and take up my life again. And he says, lovely, in verse 18, no one has taken this from me. This isn't something that's been forced upon me. I lay down my life for the people. I lay it down gladly. I lay it down willingly 
for these people. No one's forcing me this direction. When, when, they, when Jesus is bound and he's tortured and he's crucified and he's kneeled, no one was making him go through that, although it looked to the world that this was all being forced upon him. But Jesus was saying, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm planning this. This is part of the process of what I'm doing. I am willfully, willingly making my way to the cross here in John chapter 10. That's what he's saying. I'm, I'm working my way towards the cross. And there's, an old, there's an old saying that it wasn't the kneels that held him there. It was his love for us that held him on the cross. And how many times did the religious leaders, when they were mocking Jesus on the cross, says, come down Come on down if you can save yourself. And Jesus' response if you had a spoke was, I can't come down to save myself because I'm here saving you. I'm here dying for you. I I'm not here uh, to save me. I'm here to save you. This is why I'm on the cross. If the Father truly loved him, he would rescue him from the cross. No, it's the Father truly loving him that brings him to the cross and his love for us. And again, verse 18, I have power to lay down my life and we know that that's what Jesus did at the end of his life. When he was dying, he says, I, into your hand, I commend my spirit. And he willingly laid down his life. And then he takes it back up again uh, in the resurrection. So this is what Jesus says. He is, the, he is the only way into the people of God. He's the only way to become part of the flock. And he is the shepherd who will guide the flock as well. And if these people could hear what he's saying, he's saying to them, I reject you as the shepherds. I utterly reject your leadership of my people. I'm stepping in now to be the leader of these people. Well, we get to the reaction once again in verse 19 to verse 21. And it says, it says that there was division again among the Jews because of these sins. Just every time Jesus has to say something, there is a division again and again. Jesus is dividing people. He's come to bring a sordid division of those who'll follow him and those who'll reject him. And once again, the response is this. Either he's a demon and a madman, or he's sent uh, from God. Verse 20, he has a demon, and he's mad. Why do you even listen to what he's saying? They've been telling us already in chapter 7 and chapter 8, he's crazy. He's a madman. He's possessed by a demon. But look what the outcome, the, the logic of it all in verse 21. These are not the words of the one who has a demon. Like He's speaking truth. This is beautiful what he's saying. This is really true stuff. And then, of course, the outcome again, can a demon open the eyes of a blind man? So it's not just Jesus' works, it's Jesus' words. It's his words and his works that these people are believing. And coming to believe, these religious leaders, this must be the one. This must be the Messiah uh, that we've come to follow. But others, he is a demon and he's mad. And that's the same outcome today. C.S. Lewis puts it in C.S. Lewis's famous uh, trilemma where Jesus can't be a good person. He can't be a good moral teacher. He can't be a good religious leader. Jesus claimed to be God. Okay, A good teacher who isn't God doesn't claim to be God. So he's either a liar who said that he was God but was lying about it, or he's absolutely mad, as these religious leaders say, or a lunatic, as C.S. Lewis says it, or he's God. He is who he says he is. And that's our outcome. He can't be just a good teacher. He can't be just another good prophet. He claimed to be God. He's lying about it. He's absolutely mental. Or he is who he says he is. God in the flesh come to shepherd the people. So let me draw it to a close. And we'll, uh, we'll just bring it to a conclusion. I have just four things to say uh, this evening for us. If you're not a Christian in this room this evening, come and know Jesus. Come and know the shepherd. Come and know true life and true freedom. 
Don't listen to the religious or the secular gurus who are promising you your best life now. Who are promising you, you just need to find your inner self. You just need to forgive yourself, they say. I tell you the truth, says Jesus. They are thieves and they are robbers. They are hirelings who don't care about you, but what they can gain from you instead. And they want to gain from you and from everyone else they dupe. No, come through the door to the true shepherd. If you're a Christian in this room this evening, how wonderful that you know him. And how wonderful that he knows you. He knows your name, it says, and he calls you by your name. You know his voice and you follow it. He died for you once and now he protects you. He provides for you and he guides you now. Such is the love of the good shepherd. But I have a word for us as well as the church, as the, as the congregation here. Jesus says that there are going to be one fold. That the Gentiles and the Jews and the Samaritans are going to come and be one fold. One body of Christ worldwide who name the true name of Jesus together. And here at Union Chapel, we are called to be a small picture of that great reality. What that means is that we're called to live in one flock together, in harmony together under the one shepherd, the Lord Jesus. And as we follow him, then we'll be one flock following one another in love. And that's what we're called to, to to show the world what it means to be in unity with one another, with love and harmony because of what Jesus has done. But I have a word uh, finally for us as the leadership, deacons and pastor and myself. The good shepherd is the model for us. Now, he's our savior first, but then he's also our example. He's our savior who saves us, who dies for us, who strengthens us, but he also models us uh, how to be a shepherd. He's called uh, us, some of us, to be under shepherds and others to be servants within this church as well as deacons. And what Jesus models for us here is joyfully, courageously laying down his life for the sheep. And he calls us to do the same. In fact, he calls all of us to do the same. 1 John 3.16, this is love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our life for one another. But especially as the leadership, our call is to joyfully, courageously lay down our lives for the sheep. We're called to know them intimately and them know us intimately, just like Jesus is modeled for us. To lead them, to guide them, to protect them, to bind up the wounds of these people, to seek the lost ones, to bring back the wandering ones, as Jesus said he was going to do, and to find the scattered ones. This is our calling and our responsibility before God with Jesus Christ as our great example after he's our great savior. So I hope this has been a help this evening uh, to consider Jesus once more, the door into eternal life and the good shepherd who guides his people. Amen.